following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Ron and Ron Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2005's Constantine, directed by Francis Lawrence, starring Keanu Reeves, Rachel Weisz, Shia LaBeouf, Tilda Swinton, Pruitt, Taylor Vince, and Jamon Hansu. Constantine is a 2005 action horror film. The film is based on Vertigo Comics' Hellblazer comic book with plot elements taken from the Dangerous Habits story arc and the Original Sins trade paperback. This film currently holds a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? The story of irreverent supernatural detective John Constantine who has literally been to hell and back. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a full sentence. (laughs) That was written by Warner Brothers. Constantine follows the story of an irreverent supernatural detective who has literally been to hell and back. When John Constantine teams up with skeptical policewoman Angela Dodson to solve the mysterious suicide of her twin sister, their investigation takes them through the world of demons and angels that exist just beneath the landscape of contemporary Los Angeles. Caught in a catastrophic series of otherworldly events, the two become inextricably involved and seek to find their own peace at whatever cost. Okay, Constantine, what is your history with this? I own this movie. I own this movie. I own this movie, too. <laughs> and I saw it in theaters probably five or six times. I saw this in the theaters, Kevin, with a mutual friend of ours. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's probably listening to this right now. And uh, mm. at the time, I wasn't too razzle-dazzled with this movie. I think I gave it a three, actually. And subsequently, throughout the years, I've maintained a three on this movie. Every time I see it, I always feel like there's something missing. Like, there's just this one piece that I just can't put my finger on. There's something that is just not there that's holding me back from a four out of five. Oh, I hope we can place that finger tonight. <laughs> where would that finger go? We'll see where the night goes. That's <laughs> still young. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't see it till a couple years later, actually. And it was just on TV, like, like you said. And I liked it a lot. Watched it a few more times and eventually got the Blu-ray. The primary reason why we're watching this movie at all is because we need to cleanse our palate a little bit from the past couple of movies that oh, we've been yeah. watching. Kevin specifically has been in dire straits these past couple of days. My skin's been pale and pasty. <laughs> I've been having like sweats. I'd wake up in the middle of the night screaming. It's been terrible. What you- was the last movie we saw that we recommended? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I, I, I don't know. Lost World? No. I didn't, I didn't recommend that movie. I didn't give that a solid recommendation. I'm thinking it was Butterfly Effect or Polar Express. Yeah, might have been. Might have been Butterfly Effect. We've been on this crap streak. My, my pants. They got, a, they got a streak in them. All right, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Keanu Reeves. Is this his first time on our show? I think so. Yeah, yeah it is. Well, let's welcome him with open arms. Okay, long overdue. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm really surprised that we haven't done a movie that he's in. Mm. Well, how'd you think he did this time around? This is probably his penultimate performance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
What was his ultimate performance? Speed. Oh, okay. Not uh, Dracula? Uh, no, not... He was pretty good in that. Yeah, he was great in Dracula. <laughs> he had a great accent. This guy's world-renowned for being deadpan and monotone, and he was in rare form in this one. But that's what John Constantine's character is, so it fits perfectly. Yeah, this is... Did this I is you my... read the book? No. I read Hellblazer because it came with my special two-sided, double-widescreen and extra-special feature DVD set. <laughs> hey, Keanu, what'd you think? This is my favorite Keanu role. He sold this character. Um, I don't think it's extremely difficult to sell this character. I mean, all you have to do is be kind of bitter and salty, <laughs> but... <laughs> Wait, Kevin, did you taste him? <laughs> taste that beef? Yeah, you're right. I liked him in this movie, too. He did a good job, I thought. There was a lot of times where I was hoping that he would kind of rise above it. Like, I feel like he... he I don't, I don't want to pull out the Q word here and start dropping quadisms, <laughs> but he did just enough just enough to be considered a leading man. <laughs> I think Keanu's at his best when he's being extremely subtle, right? You can't expect him to be that kind of very emotional character. It's not going to happen for this guy, right? Yeah, Keanu's never going to get uncaged. It, oh, not even close. He's, he's not going to get anywhere near that. He's no. Not, he's not even in the same universe as that. Definitely not. So a role like this that where you have to be very subtle with the character, I mean, that, that plays to his strengths. Okay, next up, making her triumphant return to yes, that bad. Rage Vice. How do you think she did? I thought she was really good. I'm going to say that this is one of the few instances for the movies that we get stuck watching for this podcast where a female actress was given a real role, like something to sink her teeth into, right? Like most of the time we watch these movies, they're, they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, the female characters a lot of times are like Selma Hayek from Wild Wild West, right? They're there for like eye candy purpose yes. or just like to move the story along. Okay. I thought she had a real role and I thought she did a really good job with it. She did have a real role and uh, she she did well. She played two roles, just like Kevin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's definitely coming into her own around this time. Like, she's not the same young girl that she was in The Mummy, right? No. I mean, she's she's a real actress at this point. Yeah, she's evolved. She's done some constant gardener around this time, right? <laughs> I'm feeling good about this review because we haven't even gotten to the good actors yet. <laughs> Like Shia LaBeouf, he was a lovable scamp in this movie. He's really, he's really coming into his Shia-ness at, at this point. I think. I guess this this role is one notch above iRobot because he actually did something at the end of the movie. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he in this movie at all? His character does not need to be here. His character annoyed me every time he was on the screen. Yeah, it's a good thing he's only on the screen for like ten minutes. Yes, exactly. We're all Shia supporters, right? These early roles are. Kevin's like that. No. On the fence. <laughs> the greatest game ever played? Yeah, okay, you're right. You're right. That's an I'm sorry. Awesome I'm sorry. You're right. Okay, next up, Tilda Swinton. What is she doing in a Yes That Bad movie? She does not deserve to be here. <laughs> she doesn't belong. She does not belong in the same category as. Robert Pattinson and uh, <laughs> Cameron Bright. <laughs> yeah, our other shining stars, you know. So how'd she do? Phenomenal. She's an unbelievable actress. She is just, every scene she's in, she uh, steals it. She's in this movie only, I don't know what, five, six minutes? And she's by total? far the best. The best. Yeah. Unreal. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, That's an actress. Yeah, for sure. And there's a very distinct second place, too, who's in the movie for literally 30 seconds. And He's not even listed. He's not, yeah. We'll get to him. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> really, like, I'm going to list him anyway. Okay, these other guys, whatever, Papa Midnight. 
Jimon <laughs> Hunsu. Yeah, sure. I liked Papa Midnight. Oh, yeah. I like oh, him a lot. Yeah, me too. Me um, too. That's a cool probably, character. Not the best acting in this movie, but probably my favorite character. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's get into the history of Constantine. The character of John Constantine was originally created by Alan Moore during his run on DC Comics Swamp Thing. However, following his negative experience with From Hell and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> Moore decided to reject all money and credit from Hollywood on any adaptation of his work. Thus, he gave all the money he would have gotten to the artist who drew the character with him and rejected his own created by credit from the film. Originally, Tar Sam Singh was attached to direct with Nicolas Cage to star. However, the director said that with Cage, I cannot make the film I had wanted to. Soon after Singh left the picture, Cage did as well. I think of that. You know who Tarsim is? No. The Cell. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. No Cage. Shia LaBeouf was recommended to producer Akiva Goldsman for the role of Chaz by Will Smith. Following his impressive performance in iRobot, Constantine was written using some elements from Garth Ennis's Dangerous Habits story arc and others, such as the inclusion of Papa Midnight from the original Sins trade paperback. However, the film changed several aspects of the source material, including a number of cosmetic changes to the lead character's appearance. Reeves played the role with his natural accent and his hair color. Whilst the original character was intentionally drawn to resemble English musician Sting and originally came from Liverpool, the film was also set in Los Angeles, with the director pointing out that the comic book was not exclusively set in London either. Scenes with actress Michelle Monaghan as Constantine's lover, a half-breed demon named Ellie, based on the succubus Ellie in the Hellblazer comics, were cut from the movie to make Constantine more of a lonely character. The film's title was changed from Hellblazer to Constantine to avoid confusion with Clive Barker's Hellraiser films. The comic series itself was originally titled Hellraiser, but was also retitled to avoid confusion with the film. Constantine was a financial success, grossing how much worldwide? Three billion dollars. Close. Let's say like 200 million. You both lose miserably. Your soul off is a joke. 230 million dollars. I should be ashamed of myself. Pathetic. His poor predictions. <laughs> In a 2011 interview with MTV Splash Page, director Francis Lawrence spoke of a potential sequel, saying, it's interesting that over the years, Constantine seems like it's become like it has this sort of cult following, which has been great. It has been embraced. It would be great to figure out a sequel, and if we did, and we've been trying to figure one out, it would be great to do the really dark, scary version. We got caught in that weird PG-13R No Man's Land, and we should do the hard R scary version, which I would love to do. Uh, here's a little fun fact for you guys. The Spear of Destiny prop is the same one used in Hellboy. Okay, Constantine. That's interesting about the Michelle Monaghan thing, because I know it, I saw her at the end. I know, Yeah, you did. And I was like, hey. And I was like, that's weird. Why would she be this random cameo? Because it was right around the same time that the Mission Impossible 3 movie came out, right? Yeah. And then before that, she was on Boston Public. <laughs> So, That's the second time Boston Public has been brought up on the show. And it should come up more. <laughs> Rashida Jones. Ooh. So I was like, why, why is she in this big part? Like, what's going on here? She's in all the deleted scenes. I watched them last night and she was terrible. So it was smart of them to get rid of it. I mean, just the, the, the description of what that character would be and what it would mean to the movie. It doesn't sound very good. <laughs> okay, Constantine. So this movie starts off with a nice hellish version of the WB logo. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was pretty pleased with that. You know, I was too. More movies should do this. Uh-huh. We've talked about this before. We want more wacky logos in our movies. This movie begins with two scavengers going through an old church in the middle of the desert in what looks like Mexico. One of them steps on a floorboard that's really, like, weak and his foot goes through it and, surprise, it's a Nazi flag and inside of it is the Spear of Destiny. The mm-hmm. Lance of Longinus. I recognize it immediately. 
<laughs> hey, you got any more? Make some more. I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm done. Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, and yeah, keep, keep going. <laughs> Evangelion. Sea of LCL. Hey, yeah, all right. Ava Unit was here. Uh, shut up. <laughs> Kevin's like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Pin me, pay me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys in Mexico, they find the spear, and this guy becomes possessed by the devil immediately. Yeah, so after that, we cut to this apartment building in Los Angeles. This little girl has been possessed by a demon and they summon the help of Keanu Reeves to do an exorcism. Now, I love the way this character is introduced into this movie. It is pretty damn cool. It's just a close-up of a taxi. All we see is a hand pop out of the window with a cigarette. He throws it on the ground. And you don't really get to see his face as he's coming out of the car. I thought it was pretty stylish. Okay, so he comes in to exorcise this demon out of this little girl and he snaps his fingers and requests a big mirror. Yeah, they just, they just, they just happen to have this enormous this giant mirror. He had the exact dimensions. He was like, it needs to be three foot by four foot. Exact. And they're like, oh, okay. And they go and they get it. He rigs this pulley system and... <laughs> the Archimedes. Yeah. He straddles this young, nubile, Filipino girl that's possessed by a demon and puts the mirror above the bed. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. <laughs> American Psycho? Right. Mm-hmm. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. He pulls out, like, a keychain that has, like, all these different religious relics on it, holds them up to the light, and I guess finds the right one that bothers this demon. I guess this demon has, like, a pet peeve for specific symbols, and then burns it into the demon's forehead. He burned that demon's head with that talisman, and it left a visible scar. Mm-hmm. When the demon left the girl, it wasn't there the scar, anymore. like, healed itself. What's that about? I mean, the demon was in her body. It possessed all of her, right? Yeah. So when the demon was gone, that, that, that it, it scarred the demon, not her. That, that doesn't make sense. That is ridiculous. Why? It's absurd. Explain yourself. How many uh, demons have you exercised lately <laughs> that so you wait, would know? Wait, 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 Kevin. <laughs> Only my inner demons. <laughs> Kevin. You haven't exercised any of those. <laughs> I don't know. what it, it's. That's the thing, though. With, with stuff like this, unexplained things can happen, right? You can't really argue it. Like, what are you going to argue? That's, that is true. That's I know. True. I know. Like, there's no scientific basis in any of this stuff. So anything can happen. One small thing that I really liked about this scene was when Constantine walks in, he, he has a, a freshly lit cigarette that he places on a dresser. Like, like this is no big deal. I'm going to be done with this in time <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get back to this cigarette and keep smoking it. It just shows how kind of commonplace the situation is to him. All right, so it's around here where we get to introduce to Shia LaBeouf, who we can all agree is the linchpin of this movie. The entire movie revolves around him. There'd be no plot without Shia LaBeouf, right? Discuss. <laughs> all right, so we meet our first big bad demon here, uh, Gavin Rosdale, as Balthazar. He is dreamy. Who knew he could act? I did. He can sing, he can dance, he can act. His way. Way. He can act his way into my heart. Yeah. This guy's amazing. Breathing. He was full on GQ this whole time. He had yeah, always oh, styling. He had me breathing in and breathing out, breathing in and breathing out. Like a machine head? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was better than the rest. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but our boy Gavin Rosdale, he was doing a little uh, hand magic there, a little... He sure was. was. A coin manipulation. Joel, there. you can... Pleased. Joel, you can do a coin trick like that. Yeah, he was doing a coin roll. It's that thing that villains do in movies where they put the coins and they make them walk up and down their knuckles. What is that supposed to mean, that they're able to manipulate fate? <laughs> what? <laughs> 
just means that they're super badass and they can flip a coin around. It means they spent too much personal time learning how to spin a coin on their finger. Like me, because I can do it <laughs> better than Gavin Roswell did in this movie. <laughs> so then you're more evil than he perhaps, is? Perhaps. Do you think Gavin did it himself or was that a hand double? No, no, that, was, no, no that okay. was Gavin Rosdale. Okay, okay, it's really, it's, I believe that that man can do anything. It's funny you say that because later on in the movie, we see Rachel Weiss doing a coin roll. Yep. The coin looked fake in her hand. Like, I swear to God, it didn't look real in her hands. It Like, the way it was moving around her fingers, oh, I didn't it, looked, notice it looked anything. like a CG coin to me. Her her hand looked weird when she was doing it. And speaking of stupid coin tricks, head on over to <laughs> blog.yesfed.com. Head on over to our blog. I posted a video of me doing a, a new stupid coin trick. Oh, there's another one up now? Yeah. Wow. Brand new. Is this a new video or an old <laughs> video? <laughs> it's new to you. You've never seen it. <laughs> Rachel Weiss turns out she's a cop. Not only is she, is she a cop, but she has a knack for killing everyone. Oh, yeah. She, she's a natural born killer. <laughs> <laughs> they say that she knows exactly where to point her gun. She just closes her eyes, points the gun, and it, every shot hits. When she points her gun, it makes bad guys go away. Around here, we find out that Constantine has lung cancer. He's out of here. He's done. He smokes 30 cigarettes a day. Yeah, okay. So we cut to a church where I guess like, the bishop is there, the archdiocese. I don't know whatever is going on here. And Keanu is going to have a meeting with Gabriel, the Archangel Gabriel, played by Tilda Swinton. And at the same time, Rachel Weiss is there. She so, needs to talk to the bishop because her twin sister recently committed suicide and she wants to have a Catholic funeral for her, but the rules won't allow it. Meanwhile, Keanu Reeves is talking to Tilda Swinton. And this is something that's come up on this show a couple of times where an inferior actor will go toe to toe with an actor who is far superior to them, right? And they just act circles around <laughs> them, right? She was putting on a clinic. Talking oh my God, Keanu. she was unbelievable. She's like, sit, sit, sit down, Keanu. <laughs> Let me show you how this is done. I only have three lines and I'm going to blow you out of the water. <laughs> she was fantastic. What was so great about this scene from start to finish is when Keanu is walking in there, Rachel Weiss thinks that he wants to talk to the bishop. And he's like, he's like, get out of here. I'm going to talk to someone more important than that joker. He's like going over to talk to Gabriel. <laughs> and she is in a man's suit. Yeah, what is happening in this movie? There's a lot of gender amount of gender bending going well, on. Well, I mean, Tilda Swinton's genderless in this movie, right? That's I mean, true. She's, she's yeah. an archangel, so Angels, that's why. Yeah. Right, right, right. But Tilda Swinton, as the angel Gabriel, is talking to the priest, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder what they're talking about. Like, do you think the priest can see her for what she truly is? No. No way. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. All right, so we come to find out what Constantine's deal is here. When he was a little kid, he had the ability to see demons. Was and, he touched by an angel? Yeah, in more ways than one. Kid, he was touched by an angel. Yeah, angels in the outfield. They <laughs> gang banged them. <laughs> <laughs> so traumatized him. Yeah, so he could see demons, and because of it, he went crazy, and he killed himself. He committed suicide. Mm -hmm. He killed himself, and then he came back to life. And because of this, he is doomed to go to hell. So he's living the rest of his life with this death sentence over his head. Like, he knows he's going to go to hell. And he knows what he's in store for, because he, he was saw. dead for two minutes. And as he explained, two minutes on Earth is an eternity in hell. Yeah, so he's got this Catch-22 going on. He's trying to deport as many demons 
back to hell as possible to win favor so he can go to heaven, but that's not enough. And he can't do what God asks, as Gabriel says. Gabriel says he just wants you to believe, and he says, I believe, I've seen, and she says, no, no, you, you know, you don't believe. There's a big difference. Yeah. Just like the Polar Express. Exactly. <laughs> not only that, he can't love God and ask for forgiveness to be truly forgiven, because he doesn't forgive God for what he... I, I think God did this to him. Like, this is a bad thing, and he can't forgive for that, and I almost don't blame him. But he can't do it, so he's stuck. I mean, he's definitely a sympathetic character, right? Like, you feel bad for this guy. I absolutely feel... I feel horrible for him. How often are there movies where, like, the hero is someone that you, like, pity, right? It's not often. <laughs> you don't pity Bella Swan and her romantic troubles? There's only... Listen, there's... <laughs> get, it, get it. Just leave the room. <laughs> Kevin, what about the Dark Knight? Don't pity him. He's amazing. <laughs> you don't pity the Batman? <laughs> I want to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me pause for a second and ask you this. This movie's rated R. Does it really deserve it? The F word is said once, but I've heard that mentioned in PG-13 movies. Right. There's no nudity, and there, there isn't really like that much insane violence in it. There's just demons. No, yeah, you're right. No, this doesn't deserve an R. This is, this is really a PG-13 movie. Yeah, for sure. On the back of the box, it says it's rated R for like demonic imagery or something like that. Yeah, that's garbage. I didn't know that. BS, right? Yeah. I didn't I, I didn't know that that was a thing that the rating system took into account. That Demonic imagery? board is like from the 1920s. Like, it's their <laughs> mentality. They're the worst. All right, so let's just fast forward to Papa Midnight. Pop, Papa Midnight's bar. This is a high point in this movie for me. I love <laughs> this short little 15 second sequence. It's so cool. So there's this nightclub in the middle of the city where angels and demons can just hang out and do whatever the hell they want. It's neutral territory. No one's allowed to fight. You just commingle amongst each other. Even though we watched this movie independently from each other this time around because we all owned it, I could hear Martin cheering from miles <laughs> away during this sequence because they open it up with a perfect circle. Maynard James Keenan singing as you get a POV cam of John Constantine walking through the bar. And to your left, you see a demon and it turns out it's Adam Jones of Tool fame feasting on the flesh of some innocent, lovely young lady. You know, when, when I saw this scene, I was so happy. It's like, I don't want it. I need more. Nothing seems to satisfy. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Keanu Reeves and Rachel Weisz, they meet up and they start they join forces together because they're walking down the street and Keanu Reeves spells out what's going on in the world here. He says that in the beginning of time, God and the devil, they had a wager to see who would win, just influence. And in the end, I guess they tally up the number of souls or something and uh, I, I don't know what they would win. Winner take all? <clears throat> yeah, they win the office <laughs> pool and they, <laughs> they get $20, of, like $25 gift certificate to the Olive Garden or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> He's following Rachel Weiss down the street and all the street lights and the building lights are slowly kind of going off all around them. And it, it slowly encases them in, yeah. in darkness. I thought the way they did that was really cool. Especially since the Virgin Mary was there. It was the only one that was still illuminated. Yep. Yeah, it turns out that apparently all these demons that are not supposed to be able to cross over do anyway. Mm -hmm. And there's what looks like a hundred of these demons that are about to attack. A thousand, hundred thousand. A hundred thousand. Millions. Million 
demons. There's millions of demons. 800 million. Trillions. <laughs> they engulfed the planet, but no one noticed it. <laughs> okay, so after the demons attack him, Constantine decides that he needs to go to hell to, <laughs> to, to see if Rachel Weiss's twin sister is there. Mm-hmm. So I actually like this a lot, the way they do this. This is like something out of a Richard Kelly movie. Like he uses water and a cat as a conduit to go into hell. I love the way this looks. It looks amazing. I even love before he gets there, how they handle him getting there. Yes. How, how time like slows down and that it's a, like as soon as the door closes, he's just like snaps right there. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. And then he, and he slowly gets up and he's kind of coughing mm-hmm. and he starts just meandering down the street in Los Angeles. It yeah. looks like everything is being blasted by a hydrogen bomb. Yeah, hell looks like modern day Earth, just regular city, but just post-apocalyptic, like a, a yeah, like it's in the middle of an, uh, an explosion, yep. a nuclear explosion that's going on constantly. Mm-hmm. It looked great. Like I have to give these people a lot of respect, like for the designs here. Mm-hmm. They look really cool. He's walking around in hell, right? It'd be really hard to buy that. If it looked like you know he was walking around like the, the classical view of hell, like it's just cave type thing. Like, well, there the is a classical rocks, view of hell, and it's below him. It's below. He's not in hell. He's just on the surface level of hell. Yeah, I mean that, that that was so cool about it because like it, it's totally acceptable that he's like walking on a street, but that he's in hell at the same time too. Which I thought I've never seen a depiction of hell like that before. I thought it was really cool. Here's my question: Throughout this whole movie, they're constantly talking about how the devil really has it in for Constantine, and that Constantine is the only soul that the devil would come up to Earth to collect himself. Now, wouldn't the devil sense that Constantine is jaunting around in hell? Like, wouldn't he know? That's his domain, right? That's his dominion. He knows when Constantine is dead, immediately he knows. Yeah, but it's not its not his soul traveling there, right? I wouldn't say it is. When you start talking about God and the devil, you're talking about powers that are really, like, really powerful beings here, right? Yeah. And, and this is his domain. Like, like, he should be able to sense everything that's going on. There, yeah, right? he's... I, not, he's in charge. It's, it's not like he's the boss and he doesn't know someone's there. He's omnipresent. Not, not only is he in hell, he is hell. Yes, exactly. But could the devil do anything about it? Yes! At least go up and talk to him. What do you mean? Why talk to him? Why taunt him? I I can see, I can understand what you're trying to say. Like, he's not dead, so he doesn't really He has no right to the soul at this point, correct? He can't keep him there. But if he's killed by a demon, he's dead. He could have very easily been killed down there. Well, I guess we don't know, right? We don't know if he can be killed there. Like, if he's killed there, does he just go back to the real world? There's a strong insinuation that he can be because he's running away from them. Yeah, I'd imagine if he was killed there, he'd just stay there. He wouldn't be able to go back. There's no way of knowing. We have have no idea. There's no established rules, right? Yeah. We can go by theological law. I have my copy There's no of the- theological law on traveling to hell the I way Constantine I have my did. copy of the Talmud. Let's, <laughs> let's consult it. Listen, listen. There, There is theological precedent. Yeah, there's on precedent. How, <laughs> on, Didn't Jesus go down there one time? What there's, he rescued a bunch of people. <laughs> Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. Jesus he really did that. G- Jesus went on a recon mission, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He's <laughs> <laughs> like Rainbow Six. <laughs> like he could people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is fast forward to Gavin Rosdale staring in a mirror, and Keanu Reeves goes and he fights him. I had a bit of a problem with this scene. Like he's Keanu's fighting this demon. He throws holy water on his face, burns it, and they're fighting and all this stuff. Keanu gets Gavin Rosdale on a table, and he kind of straddles him. And he starts reading from the Bible, claiming that he's going to send him to heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, Gavin Rosal, he's just laying there like a log. Why isn't he fighting back? He got, he got punched pummeled. multiple times by these holy... So? 
Brass knuckles? His arms still work. How about I they punch do, you he was- 15 times of brass knuckles and we see how energetic you are. <laughs> He's weakened. He's dramatically weakened. You saw pieces of his face flying off. Yeah, that's a really good point. You guys are making excuses here. Pieces of his face were flying away. Haven't you ever heard Bush? <laughs> Breathing. Yeah, 16 yeah. candles. With 16 stone, you jackass. <laughs> 16 candles. <laughs> they figure out that the demons have Rachel Vice in a hospital. And what's ultimately going on here is that the son of the devil, the Antichrist, he's trying to come to Earth and take over because he has no patience for his father's rule and he wants to take over the, the earth. But the rules stipulate that the only way that he can cross over to our dimension is if God helps him. He needs divine help to do it. So in order to get around this loophole, they're going to use the spear that killed Jesus that still has the blood of God on it to slice open Rachel Weiss and use her as a portal for him to pop out. Is that right? Yep. Okay, that, that's what's going to happen in this movie. And it's specifically her because it calls for a very powerful psychic which is what Rachel Weiss is. Well, anyway, so they're in this hospital and there's all these demons there just like hanging out. They all want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. This is the exact opposite of the Blade rave. This is exactly what I was thinking of. This is very much like Blade. (laughs) Keanu Reeves comes up. They have this magic crucifix. They throw in the water supply, automatically ordains it, turns it into holy water. And he turns on the sprinkler system and just incinerates these people, like the, the demons. I thought this scene was so satisfying to see these demons get hit with the holy water like, like acid is hitting their faces what'd you think yeah I mean it, it's cool because it's this giant room of demons and he just dispenses them like they're nothing right I mean this guy knows what he's doing he's a professional you can't mess with him it's oh it's the best like the water comes out and they don't care that it's water but then all of a sudden it starts to burn through them they're holy like holy water they're like holy water <laughs> I love that. I, I, it was so satisfying to me. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Gabriel prevents Keanu Reeves from stopping the Antichrist from crossing over. Our boy Shia LaBeouf gets brutally murdered, mm-hmm. which I didn't mind. I thought it was fine. So Gabriel's here, and she just blasts him away. So he only has one shot left to stop the Antichrist from appearing. So he kills himself again and summons Satan himself. Now this is it, right? This movie takes a huge turn skyward. This is awesome right here. Who wants to tackle this? As John slits his wrists with the broken pieces of glass from the door that he was just blasted into, time on his clock starts to slow down until it just completely stops. And you see tar, burning tar, dripping onto the floor very slowly. And you see Satan descends ever so slowly to the floor in a perfect white suit. He's barefoot, though. you know, out of all the depictions that we've seen of Satan in movies, this is one of the coolest. This is, oh yeah, this is this is my favorite depiction of Satan. And he's played by our boy Peter Stormare. Last we saw him, he was eaten alive by, by copies, copies in the Lost World. <laughs> this is a much more a much admirable role. role. Yeah. yeah, this is a much more admirable role for him. He is so good in this. Again, a far superior actor. <laughs> he's way, toe-to-toe. way better. The Keanu Reeves is trying to talk to him, and like Peter. <laughs> Bear might as well just be just be talking to a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, his mannerisms, like, he's, like, dancing around and clapping. It's like, his, his voice fantastic. He is my second favorite portrayal of the devil. I know who your first is. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. My boy from Reaper. Yep. Really? He's awesome. He's amazing. I'm sorry, but Peter Stormare's version of <laughs> Lucifer in this is unreal. It's 
sweet but short. I spend a lot of time with uh, yes with the devil and Reaper. And, oh man, there's there's a place in my heart for him. <laughs> Did you just say that there's a place in your heart for Satan? Yes, there is. <laughs> you know, it's weird. There was and you're talking about like, oh man, the devil's so cool. <laughs> like, like we're cheering for the devil. Everybody, everybody in this room went to Catholic school, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then again, isn't he supposed to be like this hyper charismatic? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's so, supposed to be awesome. Yeah. Anything we say is just doing this in injustice. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no... You there's have no... to see this movie just for this scene. So eventually what's going on here is that Keanu Reeves tell him, hey man, your son's in the next room. He's with Gabriel. They had the spear of destiny. Satan doesn't believe him. And he's like, listen, you waited 20 years for me. What's, what's the 20 what's seconds? What's the 20 He calls him Lou. Yup. What nerve? He calls Satan Lou. <laughs> what balls on this guy? <laughs> balls of steel, right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> No matter what room he walks into, he's the toughest guy there. As soon as you call the devil Lou, yeah. that's it. You are the toughest guy on earth. Facts oh, I love in this, this scene are awesome. It's just, he doesn't even lift a finger. Just everything <laughs> disintegrates away. The entire wall just blows and fragments like a, like a mosaic and just falls away. I, I was and really, it's, like, the sound in this scene was so cool. Like, the, mm-hmm. the tinkling of, like, the glass slowly in slow motion suspended in midair. So cool. He's just walking through these shards of glass it floating in, in the midair. Awesome. And effect. the effect looked amazing. Yeah, really good effect. Real. 100% time, real. Time has been slowed down dramatically. Gabriel is very slowly moving the Spear of Destiny towards Mammon to set him free. And Satan just very nonchalantly <laughs> reaches underneath and just lifts him up. Nope. Tilda Swin and Peter Stormare have a act off. <laughs> <laughs> Tilda, you're pretty damn good, but uh... But Peter Storm, this is Peter Stormare scene, okay? This is, <laughs> you bet your match. <laughs> this is awesome because she, she goes, she goes little, little horn and he's like <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry Tilly, he's he's winning this one. <laughs> I love this. She goes to punch him, but then like she's stopped by an unknown force. His like, face is priceless. It's like, sorry, it's like someone doesn't got your back anymore. Like God <laughs> turned his back on I, Gabriel. So cool. And, and the, the Satan just like bl- disintegrates her, just like blows her away and fires. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love, love this scene. It's so good. He, he, goes, he, goes, he goes back to Constantine. He's, he's, about awesome. to, he's like, come on, boy. I gotta take him, he's going to take him down to hell. <laughs> but before he goes, before he, he, goes, he, he makes goes one up. last demand because he helped the devil out. Now the devil's going to help him out. Yeah, he wants to get Rachel Weiss's sister's soul out, out of, of hell. Send her to heaven. Send her to heaven. He's like, okay. Done. I love this. Like, fine. <laughs> Done. Without a doubt, right, in the 58 episodes of movies we've watched for this, this is probably the coolest scene out of all the movies we've watched. Absolutely. Right? The acting. Without question. <laughs> The action going- Not even a contest. There's no other nominees. <laughs> Give them the trophy. I mean, it's not like we've we've watched phenomenal movies in this podcast. No, you could put this scene up against like almost any scene in, in mo- all movies. <laughs> you really could. It's so cool. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect mix because you have two really cool character actors going toe to toe. Keanu's not saying anything. He's just laying on the ground like a lump. <laughs> And Which is what he's this, good at. And all this awesome stuff is going on around him. It's mm-hmm. really cool. All right, so the devils come to collect. He grabs Constantine and starts dragging him to hell. <laughs> While he's, he's whistling. <laughs> yeah. He's whistling as he's dragging him. He's like... <laughs> 
But little loophole that, you know, whenever you make a deal with the devil, you almost always lose unless you can trick him somehow, mm-hmm. which right. is not easy. No, it isn't. <laughs> not easy. But Keanu Reeves, he did it. He tricked the devil right here. Because he sacrificed himself to get Rachel Weisz's sister out of heaven, that counts as a self-sacrifice. Making him a martyr, granting him automatic, automatic admission. to heaven. Mm-hmm. So I love this. So he's dragging his body on the ground and all of a sudden Keanu weighs a million pounds <laughs> like, and, and like all the tile starts exploding <laughs> and like getting dragged along with him and the devil can't pull him anymore he's too heavy mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden heaven opens up before their eyes and Keanu starts levitating one last badass this is unbelievable <laughs> as Keanu is being lifted into heaven he gives the devil the finger <laughs> oh my god that is so cool he turns around and like smiles at him too he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) so see you later bro oh man gotcha (laughs) loved it loved it but you know the the devil is not one to take defeat easily so he pulls a fast one himself he grabs Constantine and resurrects him like he heals him and he pulls out the cancer he he brutally rips cancer out (laughs) of his lungs and says no you'll live John Constantine you'll earn your place yeah it's gonna prove that you're bad and you deserve to be in hell awesome I loved the way it looked when he pulled his hands out and it was like that tar yeah black tar on it like just like poison yeah. in his hands <laughs> like for so all good. for all those public service <laughs> images that I've seen of lungs that have you know succumbed to cancer from smoking cigarettes that's what you would probably pull out right yeah, yeah so this movie ends with you know whatever who cares constantly <laughs> Whatever comes after this is, is Whatever moved. comes after this is Point, completely pointless. irrelevant. It's pointless. Constantine lives the rest of his life and... Uh, chews gum. Yeah, he chews gum instead of smoking cigarettes. The first time I saw this, I thought it would have been way cooler if he started smoking again. <laughs> He just didn't learn anything. He didn't learn anything. He didn't learn anything, but he was so cocksure that he was going to beat the devil again. <laughs> I, I would have loved that. I didn't know, but instead he popped some Wrigley's, some gum, and, and the end. He pulled out a package of Big League Chew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you stay after the credits, you get this little shot of Keanu Reeves going to Shia LaBeouf's grave, and we find that the Shia LaBeouf has turned into an angel, and he has wings. He looks like an, like an evil angel. Yeah, right no, now. he has like no eyes. <laughs> it looks what really, is that? It's really weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like the secret ending to the movie. Apparently, in the original version of the deleted scenes, Rachel Weisz is there with him, implying that they hooked up, but mm. they cut that out quick because they want Constantine to be a, a lone wolf, mm. which is the right decision, I think. It makes him a more interesting character. Yeah. So let me ask you this right now. Director said that he would love to make a sequel. They made a sequel right now. Would you go? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> Opening nights. Open a shut case. <laughs> okay, so that's it. That's Constantine. Let's find out what the real critics to say about this movie. Reeves wears essentially the same black wardrobe, does the same moves, shows the same galling lack of acting ability, but with a slightly different haircut. Hank Stuver, Washington Post. The movie isn't hellish because there's always hope of leaving it. It's more like purgatory. Two whole hours of it. Mick LaSalle, San Francisco Chronicle. And finally, it's a ponderous bore. Dull dialogue, dull situations, and a serious lack of urgency hinder what should be a high-stakes slice of pseudo-religious heresy. Roger Moore, Orlando 
Sentinel. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? No, this movie is amazing. <laughs> Those critics should be lined up in front of a shed and executed. <laughs> Their reviews are heresy. What a review? I didn't even know what they were saying. They were criticizing Keanu, Keanu Reeves' acting. It had nothing to do with the movie. And his dressing? Like, yeah, he was wearing yeah, dark clothes and he had a different Keanu, haircut. Like, Keanu Reeves had a different haircut. Movie. It's like, oh, okay, that lets, that lets me know a lot about the movie. Thanks. That really influenced my decision if I'm going to go see it or not. This is Matrix Backlash. Is it? Yeah, this is Matrix Backlash, which continued even three years later into Speed Racer. Like, these critics just have it in for the Matrix. Sorry, guys. This movie's great. That's why you come here. Film <laughs> <laughs> the- critics are idiots. <laughs> All right. That's the reason that this podcast exists. Yes. For this, for, for movies like this. Thank God. It's been a long time since we could finally say it's not that bad. It's been a long time <laughs> since I could definitively say that. Yeah. So what's your score on this one? Four out of five. If you haven't seen this movie, go see it. If you know someone who hasn't seen this movie. <laughs> Force them to watch it at gunpoint. They'll thank you for it afterwards. This movie's not that bad. I couldn't believe this movie was rotten. And I can't believe it's even as low as it is. To be fair, this movie's in my wheelhouse. Movies like Seven, Raised the Lost Ark, Frailty. Oh, it's good Movies that deal at least a little bit with this type of subject matter, they really appeal to me. Even Dogma. I own this movie. I love this movie. And it's it's in my pantheon. I'm going to say this is a five <laughs> out of five for me. Oh, First five out of five. Wow. First official five out of five in the canon. Woo. And this, it, it, it slowly builds, right? Like, this isn't a movie that peaks early by any stretch of imagination. Like, no. it, when it ends, like, you just want more. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it was so amazing. <laughs> That's the feeling that, uh, you know, a five out of five should leave you with. You want more desperately. As for me, I agree with a lot of with what Kevin said. I love this concept of religious figures in modern day, interacting with humans. I love it. Love this stuff. I can't get enough of it. This, like you said, this movie appeals to me a lot. Over the years, I wasn't too blown away with it. You know, three out of five, but this is exactly what we said was going to happen last week. Mm-hmm. Watching all that crap back to back to back to back. We're going to watch this thing and be like, oh my god, that was awesome. And that is exactly what happened. I haven't been this happy watching a movie <laughs> in so long. Definitely. I thank God that this movie <laughs> oh man, it restored my faith in the movie making. <laughs> wow, are they competently telling a story? Huh? Can this even be considered in the same media as Wild Wild West? <laughs> no. Like, how can they both be movies? Like, they shouldn't even both be the same of anything. <laughs> They're on completely different planes of existence. There you go. I'm, I'm going to go with a rock hard four out of five. Well done, Constantine. Okay, let's read some listener mail. John writes in and says, Good actresses under 30. Kira Knightley. Gotta give her props. Pride and Prejudice. Atonement. The First Pirates. All great performances. I definitely look forward to her upcoming films. And she is Oscar nominated. But then again, so is Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Also, after seeing Dragon Tattoo, Rooney Mara is definitely on my watch list. She's on mine as well. I thought that her performance in um, Dragon Tattoo was unbelievable. Her performance was a lot better than the movie. Adam writes in and says, Okay, let me preface this email by saying I'm a huge fan. I started listening to the podcast in the middle of 2011, but only listening to episodes which I've already seen the movies, which seemed very logical at the time. But I decided I wanted to go back to the start from the beginning and listen to every episode, even if I had not seen the movie. So far, no disappointment in my decision. I totally get a kick out of the banter between you guys, especially before the addition of Kevin. Oh, oh man. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Although he adds another great element to the show. <laughs> what the hell? Man. Wow. That's scathing. So can I be fired and have my Friday nights back? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, to the point I'm trying to make, in episode five of Vanilla Sky, when discussing the whole fact that the movie was a dream, you guys brought up the topic of lucid dreams and proceeded to ask one another if they had had a lucid dream. And if so, could they remember it? And of course, you all had one, but only Joel was able to explain his. And this is where things get weird for me. Joel, you said you had a dream in which you knew you were dreaming and you told yourself you wanted to fly. But when you did, you just kept rising uncontrollably and it scared you so bad you woke yourself up. As you're explaining this on the show, I'm listening and my mouth is wide open, kind of freaked out and kind of baffled because I myself have had the exact dream more than once. And like you, it scares me to death. Just hearing about your dream just made me wonder, is it possible for people to have the exact same dreams? And if so, is there a meaning to it? I'm sure that could be a topic to be discussed further, but would never really be figured out because dreams are so subjective to the dreamer and the meanings of said dreams are really hard to figure. But anyway, would love to hear your thoughts on it. I think you found your soulmate. (laughs) Yeah. What's this person's name? (laughs) Adam. Adam, you and Joel, star-crossed lovers. Oh, man. You guys can meet in the dream world. (laughs) (laughs) You can fly together. You guys can fly and hold hands and float away. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry, bro. You can be my partner in uh, Inception when we're, we're running around. <laughs> well, what do you think? Is there meaning to this sort of thing? People having the same kind of dreams? I'm sure a lot of early psychiatrists would think so. But dreams are so subjective. The meaning that you would attach to it would be your previous experience. And so you'd have to have the same experience and then attach the same meaning to it. That's a stretch. The only recurring dream that I've ever had is a recurring dream that many, many, many people have. So it's really common. Mine's falling off a cliff. <laughs> and then right right as I hit the bottom, I wake up. I think a lot of people have that. But then it just turned that, out that, that fell I'm, off. So, I'm sorry, that means something, bro. <laughs> Does it? That means a lot. <laughs> no, when when I have it, it just turns out that I fell off the bed. You should probably talk to somebody. Yeah, you should seek help. <laughs> you guys can go. Uh, you guys Immediate can medical attention. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> he also writes, also, I was pulling a double feature and listened to Freddy Got Finger right away, right after Vanilla Sky. And when you guys got to the part of the discussion where you asked about the paraplegic in the movie, whether she could feel having sex or not, you remember that? Yeah, I do. I, being a quadriplegic, was interested. And I thought I would let you know, at least for me, that I'm still in full working order and I broke my neck in the second cervical vertebrae. Although the feeling is not exactly the way it was before, there's still enough sensation to get the job done. Maybe you already got this answer way back when the episode aired. I just thought I would put in my two cents. But it's always different for every person. One is not always the same as another. All right, hope that answers your question. Peace and love, Adam. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah, there's a a question we threw into the wind. Episode six, no one responded to that. We asked for like a doctor, but this is better. I also asked if the amount of semen the elephant produced in that movie was (laughs) medically accurate. (laughs) No one rose to the challenge. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for writing in. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, that's Sorry to hear that you're quadriplegic. But I'm actually happy to hear that you're uh, still in working order. (laughs) Jill's floating on over there. Yeah, I'm going to float over. (laughs) (laughs) See you in my dreams. (laughs) Oh, wow. Why does this keep happening? (laughs) I thought we were going to stop. 
We can't stop. Once it's no. that gender bending. <laughs> okay, Sean writes in, Hey, Joel, I think I remember hearing you say you had an episode of Speed Racer archived. I absolutely love that movie. I was wondering if you'd maybe put it out as a Facebook exclusive. I was so happy to hear someone else really liked this movie. Now, that's interesting, Sean. Very interesting you would say that because I think I mentioned that Speed Racer episode like 40 episodes ago. <laughs> you are one of only two people to bring it up. I say I have a full, complete episode of the podcast just sitting around and no one cares. I say that I shaved one time <laughs> and I get hounded about it for months. You did not say you shaved one time. <laughs> That's how I remember it. I, I shaved once. I believe shaving was described as a hobby. <laughs> You said, quote, all right, all right, to quote, to quote you, I've had a lot of hobbies. Let me think. Yo-yo, uh, shaving was a hobby for a while. To which Kevin replied, how could shaving be a hobby? That's not how I remember it. And there's no proof that I ever said it. <laughs> I think I'll release that eventually, whenever the hell I get around to it. That's an interesting episode because it wasn't recorded with either you two jokers. Well, thanks, yeah. It's just some- <laughs> well, For our unwavering support, time, and effort that we put into this. You're just a joker we're to just, me. We're just a joker to Joel. <laughs> well, that guy that wrote an email earlier that wasn't happy with me will be happy that I'm not in that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you really please. Yeah, yeah, it's with uh, somebody else completely different, so... The download count drops. <laughs> like, 99%. Where's Martin? I'm not listening to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they slam their laptops shut immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's with somebody else completely different, so it's kind of an interesting historical footnote to see a different take on this show. It's a weird one, because it, it feels totally different, which is why I haven't released it. Does it feel good? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, Deke writes in and says, Hey guys, I've been a long-time listener of the show. I really enjoy it as I spend my days cleaning out the abandoned mental hospital that I'm converting into a motel. That sounds like an extremely haunted place. That sounds like... That sounds like the premise for a movie that we would someday watch on this show. Yeah, like a really bad comedy or something. (laughs) What? Paul Rudd scraping blood off the walls. (laughs) Yes. I thought since everyone else is sharing their ideas of what you guys look like, I thought I'd share a crude representation of what I picture when I listen to the podcast. Joel, well, he's a constantly shaving insectoid overlord type. Martin, well, you'll understand when you see the picture. Kevin, he's just a hapless guy being tortured by horrible movies each week. Here's a link to the picture. All right, come over here and take a look. Oh, he made me Martin from The Simpsons? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'll, I'll, I'll link a picture to this on the show notes at yesthatbad.com. So as far as accuracy goes, how, how close? 1,000% <laughs> accurate. Danny writes in and says, I listened to the last episode. I had a few quick comments. First, how could you forget Tarantino when you were discussing directors? Okay, so maybe you don't like him, but I don't know if I can respect you in the morning if that's the case. Second, as a person that listens to far too many movie podcasts, yours is definitely among my favorites. You can tell that you guys are friends and you're having a good time. Also, I would definitely be willing to give you guys a few dollars towards your costs. My recommendation is from one of my absolute favorite shows. They charge $10 for listeners to sponsor a segment of the show, and then they read whatever message that the listener provides as an intro to the segment. It's fun. You get something for your money, and we get to make you say ridiculous things. He's, re- he's referencing the big three podcasts where they do the $10 shout-out. I'm almost 
too. Yeah, it's got to be it. And those are not real. <laughs> those, are ri- those are written by them. Well, if we can get 10 bucks, I'll say whatever. We have to get somebody to record and say, $10 shout out. Aren't we already doing this for free? <laughs> <laughs> Reading their silly stuff? Yes. <laughs> the $10 shout out. <laughs> okay, so Tarantino. I like Tarantino. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like a giant I'm supporter not a like some fan, people are. But Me neither. I'm His not movies a- are so few and far between at this point, too. You know what it is? I think that he's a very competent director technically, but I think as far as storytelling goes, you can only pay homage to something so many times in so many different ways and not come up with complete original content and for me to still hold you in very high regard. I liked Inglorious Bastards. I liked Kill Bill Volume 1. I didn't care for Volume 2. It wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, Tarantino, he's okay. He's not my favorite director by any stretch of the imagination. And while on the subject of unpopular opinions, I don't like Paul Thomas Anderson either. Really? I don't like that guy at all. Stand up for yourself. I like it. (laughs) Be a man for once. (laughs) If only your mother could see you now. (laughs) Tom writes in and says, Hey guys, greetings from the southern half of New Jersey. I'm a long-time listener to the podcast. And enjoy almost all your bizarre references since I'm about the same age and I would guess from the same general area of the country. I know the POS theater that Joel and Kevin saw The Lost World. Oh! And actually work at the casino where Joel ascended to the seventh plane of existence while watching The Polar Express. (laughs) Shut up! It's amazing. Uh, you mentioned in the Wild Wild West episode that you are always considering moving. So my question is, if you could move anywhere, where would it be? I know Martin mentioned on Twitter that he wanted to move to California. And as a fellow surfer who lived on the beach about five minutes ride from the wedge in Newport, I can assure him that is the right decision. Good luck leaving New Jersey, though. I have moved out of this state four times and it keeps dragging me back. <laughs> I have no idea how it does it. Martin, sorry to hear you're not feeling well last week, but check out this video. Hope it makes you feel better. It's a video of uh, real life GoldenEye, which is pretty funny considering that uh, I just pulled out my copy of GoldenEye tonight. Yeah. Perhaps we'll play it. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on to say, where do you like to surf up your way? I don't get out as much as I should, but I'm partial to Strathmere down here. If you're ever down this way, check it out. It's usually pretty solid without much of a crowd. Keep up the great work, guys. There's a lot to, to go here. Let's, let's go point by point here. Where do you want to move? I'm trying to go to San Diego. For the Comic-Cons, right? They have one <laughs> for, every week, for the, right? Yeah, for the, I'm going for the Comic-Cons mostly. The weekly Comic-Cons. <laughs> no, I'm going I'm, I'm going there because surfing is, I don't know, it's uh, probably the biggest factor in my life. After that is my career. So, yeah, San Diego, we're bust. I want to say somewhere other than the U.S. I was kind of thinking that too. But I haven't really been outside the U.S. too much. Just to Canada and Mexico. Did really like Toronto. That's where you want to go? It's cold up there, though. I do like the beach. I'm going to go with Tampa, Florida. Okay. All right. All right. I want to move to a place where winter doesn't exist anymore. I'm <clears> done. <throat> done with it. Sick of it. Same here. So, yeah, California. Why not? If I if I was like, hey, Joel, you want to, like, let's say you didn't have a job. I was like, hey, you want to come out and check California for a month or two? Yeah, I'd go. You'd go. You'd be like, are you paying? <laughs> yeah, you, are you paying for me? <laughs> yes, you have a place. It's free. You have a place to stay. <laughs> you going to feed me? <laughs> I, 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 you gonna I, bathe me? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I, I already feed you now. You shave me? <laughs> uh, no. Wait, you would actually let me shave you? Never. No, you wouldn't let me shave you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would live anywhere international, anywhere. London, I don't care. What the hell? North Korea? <laughs> <laughs> Baghdad? <laughs> Syria? Malaysia? <laughs> he moved away four times and he keep dragging him back. I can agree to that. I've been, I've done it myself yeah, me once. Me too, me too. And uh, Martino, where do you surf? Strathmere's good. I grew up surfing in Long Beach Island. Uh, I was actually surfing there last, I was surfing there this Monday. It was pretty good. It got really good in the evening, like head high, real clean, uh, in ship bottom. But uh, tomorrow I'm probably going to paddle out somewhere in Monmouth. Okay, great. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. That guy in Mongolia is really excited <laughs> to hear about your surf spots. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even mention any surf spots by name because it's kind of, you really shouldn't. Hyper local. Oh, you don't want to give away the secrets? No, it's it's just, it's taboo. You really shouldn't. I mean, if people Yeah, locals find, only. Yeah, locals only. Yeah, if Just like pe- Point Break? Yeah, it's just like Point Break. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Margaret writes in and says, Hello, gentlemen. I'm curious. When Joel said he was going to start this podcast as his new hobby, how long did you think it would last? Oh, two months tops. <laughs> I thought that this was going to crash and burn within three uh, weeks. You were there from the start. I was, and I was there from the start. I was like, I was like, this is going down. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, Martin, aren't you worried about giving up a weekend every every week? Nah, this won't yeah, last no, no, long. No, 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 yeah, that's exactly what I was like. I was like, I was like, nah, this isn't gonna last very long. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Steven writes in and says, Hey guys, this is your devoted listener from Alaska, and, and I was wanting to interrogate you guys a little. First off, I want to say I really like your podcast and have been listening to it from the very beginning. I was wondering what your favorite movie of the year was, and also what some of your favorite movies of all time were. Also, if you're looking for a sponsor, I think the shit Quattro would be glad to sponsor you. <laughs> Thanks to Joel. Keep doing the good work. Hope you guys keep the podcast going for a very long time. I saw the commercial, by the way, with Adrian Brody. Yeah. He was looking pretty good. Stylish. He was looking pretty good. You're a vendetta. Yep. All right, so my favorite movie this year uh, so far is The Descendants. And if you want to know about Kevin and my pick for the best movie of last year, head on over to our blog, blog.yesthatbad.com, where we wrote in depth our feelings of the movies we saw mm-hmm. last year. Some of your favorite movies of all time. What? No, let's narrow it down. What is your favorite movie of all time? Mine is The Shawshank Redemption. So is mine. Mine is Rushmore. Really? I love Rushmore. I can watch it over and over and over again, and I never get sick of it. He, I love Anderson's it. Anderson's his favorite director. I love all right, it. all right. What about Darjeeling Limited? Uh, that's not as good. You going to apologize for that? I own that. It's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's not like Wes Anderson, I expect a certain level of craft. Agreed, his agreed, agreed. He got a little creative on that one. All right, all right. But he bounced, he bounced back. Strong. <laughs> Mr. Fox. Mr. Fox. Yeah, Phenomenal movie. movie. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to comment, Contact us, you can reach us at yeah, it's that bad at gmail.com. Or Joel in the dream world, apparently. Floating away. Just tune your dream machines to <laughs> yeah, it's that bad.com and you can find me <laughs> floating in the ether. Okay, so, okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question was, what are your film criticism pet peeves? And the responses we got were really good. So I'm going to read some of them and I want you guys to help me read them. Maybe, maybe we'll discuss some of these things. Okay, Patrick writes in and says, My biggest pet peeve, have you ever listened? of film spotting. It's a great podcast for finding out about new movies, but everything they say makes me so angry that by the second NPR All Songs Considered Ask Music Break, I'm ready to smash my phone to the ground. (laughs) 
So long story short, my biggest pet peeve about movie reviews is being pretentious for pretentious sake. Just say what you like and what you don't. I don't need you to compare everything to Le Samurai. Joel, if there was one thing that he hated about movie critics, it was the pretentiousness in their reviews. Yeah. And that in our podcast, he wanted to go in a completely different direction. I can specifically cite one of the reviews that really set me off like this. It was, this is so hyper-local. No one's going to know or care what I'm talking about. It's uh, the L Magazine, the stupid magazine you can get for free in New York on the street corner. When they reviewed Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, the guy spent four paragraphs talking about God knows what, like every other movie made by Godard and Truffaut and all these other things that had nothing to do with Indiana Jones at all. That really pisses me off when they do stuff like that. That's why the magazine's free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate all the New York critics. They all suck. They all do the same junk. Time out. Oh, get me started. <laughs> Time out is by far the worst. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> and, they're, and they're wrong. Every time they're wrong. I could just do exactly the opposite of what they say to go see and I'll be great. I agree. I mean, we've, we've talked about this before that, that, you know, when you get pretentious like that, it just it loses sight of whether something's entertaining. It's just like you're showing off about some, you know, obscure old movie stuff that you know that most people don't know or care about. Okay, so Paul said, my movie review pet peeve would be hearing someone say, fill in the blank, raped my childhood. Seems a bit harsh and overstated, and I've hated that phrase. Almost always applied to George Lucas by 30, 40 something writers and reviewers who still can't get over the prequels. While I did not enjoy the Star Wars prequels, my childhood is still intact, and I'm touched. <laughs> I'm happy to report. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't like when the reviewer for anything movies, books, restaurants makes it all about himself and goes off on crazy tangents in order to name, drop, or make himself come across smarter or more in the know than necessary. Some do this with a very heavy hand, I've noticed. You read some reviews and the movie isn't even mentioned until the sixth paragraph because we first have to hear some anecdote or drawn-out tale about when the reviewer <laughs> ran into a screenwriter or director at Aspen or Cons, etc. I don't care about the social lives of people I'll never meet. Just review the flick and tell me if I should consider parting with my $9 and and an additional $67 for Junior Mints and a Coke. <laughs> $67. Kappa Monkey said, My movie review pet peeve when movies get bad reviews from critics simply because they don't get it. Take, for example, the latest Ghost Rider movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Spirit of Vengeance, which I caught this week. By no means a horrible movie, but critics beg to differ. And so do I. <laughs> Walking into it, I knew what I was expecting and wanted. An over-the-top B-movie starring crazy man Nick Cage. And I wasn't let down. The movie is all over the place and crazy. This movie was like the album cover of a hardcore metal band from the 80s. Not to be taken completely seriously. It's a Nick Cage movie. That alone should tell you what kind of movie you're about to experience. He's practically his own genre now. You're in for a treat because we all went to the movies this week and uh, are going to be re reviewing Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance ourselves uh, to be released at a later date. <laughs> okay, and finally, Anonymous says, I hate when a reviewer pulls out the Sothoris and throws out as many obscure superlatives as they can type. Some go on and on with terms like transcendent achievement, willfully cosmic rendering, illimitable indifference, authoritarian discipline, and other mush-mouth nonsense that doesn't mean anything 
anything. It's just trying to show off how smart they are while not really saying anything of substance or anything helpful in deciding if this is a movie I want to watch. Another thing I hate is when so-called critics, mostly at sites like Ain't It Cool, douse their reviews with crude language and sexual descriptions when discussing how they feel about a movie. I'm sorry, I don't care if a certain shot of Ghost Rider made you ejaculate. That sounds like something that should be kept between you and your doctor. Critics need to be clear, concise language without pushing their agendas or sexual frustrations on their readers. I agree with that 100%. The transcendent... I hate that stuff so much. Why? Because the words themselves are so abstract that when you apply them to a physical thing... It was a transcendent achievement. What is that movie? What what does that mean? What does that mean, a transcendent achievement? It goes beyond the physical realm? I hate that crap. Really? If you want, go read some time out. You'll get plenty of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) All right, thanks for those guys. As for this week's question of the week, this being Oscar season, what movie do you feel was raw? at the Oscars in any of the past years. Head on over to YesThatBad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce the winner of the Listener's Choice poll. And the choices were between Stealth and Behind Enemy Lines. And the winner is... Stealth! Oh boy! Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx. Back again, Valentine's Day. And a plane. The plane. The plane's a character. Kevin, you excited? You did so well this week. (laughs) You gotta come crashing down to Earth. Crashing down to earth yes like that plane probably just does. like the plane probably does <laughs> okay tune in next week when we'll be watching stealth oh 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 i almost forgot i have a present for you i was at the five below store the other day <laughs> and i happened to cross something it caught my eye and i thought you'd really like wow kevin comes bearing gifts i'm a giver <laughs> i've always said that about you <laughs> whoa Whoa! Kevin just bought me a Tron Legacy <laughs> Clues Century Light Cycle. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, that bad memorabilia. <laughs> Kevin, you're too kind. I'm gonna give her two dollars. Two dollars. That's a steal. It is, right? Are you gonna play with it? You're just gonna leave it in the package. What are you doing? Ah, I might hang it up. Really? Are you seriously gonna hang that up? You're not gonna play with that? Kevin, what what do you think I should do? What the hell you want? It cost me two dollars. <laughs> Make it a listener's choice poll. Should I play with the toy? (laughs) Yes or no? (laughs) That's really cool. Thank you, Kevin. No problem. Thank you. I'll never forgive. I'll never forget. I'll never forgive you. I'll never forgive you for giving me this gift. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. They did have other ones, but it wasn't this. It was this nonsense. (laughs) These things in the back, these jets. They had a jet. There was no jet in Tron, was there? Yeah, there there was. was. What jet? At the end end of the the movie. movie. Oh, yeah, there was. I forgot all about that part. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show by telling all your friends by clicking the like button on Facebook. Clicking the like button tells all your friends about the show, and it also gives you access to our bonus episodes. If we get a thousand likes, I will release a special bonus episode where we're just sitting around BSing about (laughs) God knows what. I don't even remember what we talked about. They're really selling this. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 actually very funny. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can follow Martin at Yeah It's Martin. You can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev. You can listen to this show on your non-iPhone or Zoom devices via Stitcher at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Thank you. 
what happens to it is not fire. Like, you can't describe it as that. I thought it was pretty cool the way this looked. It, it looked like a flashlight, and he was just waving it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a flashlight. Flashlight. <laughs> a flashlight. <laughs> he fought the demons with a flashlight. You're right. Well, well done, Martin. You did it again. You're so clever. <laughs> I didn't say flashlight. I guess you did. I heard, I heard flashlight. <laughs> Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in.